Hello and welcome to Why'd You Buy That? I'm Drew Adams. And I'm Dan Seataller. So, Dan, how was your 4th of July? Oh my gosh, it was so great. It's just a great time of year. I'm just so happy to be outside in the warm weather. I was thinking, the other day I was sitting outside in the sun, just thinking, the sun is this incredible free machine that just like hands out happiness. Just warms your body, gives you vitamin D, you know, emits endorphins in your brain it's just it's just good you know yeah yeah. it's a good positive spin on life i love it (laughs) so the fourth was great though we were we were thinking if we were gonna like go anywhere but just uh ended up staying here in alpine um utah where we're at and one of the things i noticed was how big fireworks have gotten especially this year with coronavirus with a lot of fireworks shows being canceled It's like they brought the fireworks shows to the neighborhoods, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know where people buy these like giant fireworks or whatever, but it's some scary stuff. Yeah, I was out trying to buy sparklers. You know what sparklers are? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, You just hold them in your hand and they kind of burn down and they go. And so my youngest son was like, we want to do sparklers. And so I go to get sparklers, which are normally right at my local Harris Teeter here, which is a grocery store. And they're, they're all gone. Sparklers are all gone. (laughs) So I'm like, where do you get sparklers next? And so I'm like, go call party city. Maybe party city has sparklers Fourth of you know, 4th of July parties or what have you. Right. Right. Yeah. They're all gone. Seriously. When when was this? It was was July 4th. I mean, it was last second. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm just trying not to fancy fireworks, just the sparklers you can hold in your hand. All gone. And, um, (laughs) this is a funny story. Which is so my little kids are young, but they call me on the phone. And they're like, Dad, where are you? And I'm like, I'm looking for sparklers. And then my son, who is all of eight years old, is like, Well, why don't you try Target? <laughs> I was like, Of course, <laughs> they have Target, everything. <laughs> <like> Target. <laughs> How did I not think of that? So I head up to Target. And on the way to Target, there's one of those fireworks pop up tents where they're yeah. selling fireworks to the general public. And I'm like, oh, I can just pull in there. And as I'm pulling in, there's like three cars are pulling in there. And everything, all the tables are gone uh, in terms of their their merchandise is sold out. And so I'm like, there's everyone has bought these fireworks that they're um, setting off in the neighborhoods. Was that your experience? Did you? Oh, totally. Everyone's been cooped up at home. They're like, we're going to blow some stuff up this 4th of July, <laughs> right? They're ready to go. And, they, you know, there's no fireworks shows to go to, I'm sure. I, well, I had a funny experience when we bought fireworks, actually, which was, well, let me back up. I'm not a huge light your own fireworks kind of person. I think they're super dangerous. It's just scary, you know, and even fireworks shows that I've been to. I mean, I think you and I have talked about this before, where there's like pieces of fireworks like falling on you out of the sky. And it's just crazy, right? Like they've got to be making these things as cheap as possible because it's literally just explodes. Like once it's done, it's done and that's it. And so they're just bad. So I hadn't given much thought to fireworks. And I think it was maybe the 2nd or 3rd of July. So right before the 4th. And I was at Costco in the checkout line. And one of the Costco employees hauls over a cart of the big pack of fireworks where it's just kind of like an assortment of different fireworks. Some are bigger, some are smaller. They got sparklers and they got like the... Um, ones that sh- just shoot up and explode or just have like a spray out or whatever. 
And people are like flocking and grabbing, like you see in the TV shows. You know, I was like, oh my gosh, like I got to buy whatever these people are buying. <laughs> I don't know what the price is, but this is obviously a hot commodity. So I literally, without like thinking or checking the price, just like walked over and grabbed one of these big old things, which I've never bought in my life. And I also in the in the confusion and like with all the hype, I was a little bit confused because he was standing next to a product that was priced up above. If you've been at Costco, they have like the price of things on a little card up above the product. And so it's kind of like eye level or even a little bit higher. And it was like $7.98 or something. And I was like, well, it's no wonder like these are going so fast, you know? So I, I like pick it up and I ask him, so are these like seven bucks? And he said, no, they're 30. And I was like, oh yeah. Like I, that was kind of a stupid question. <laughs> like after I asked it, I felt like an idiot. It's like, oh yes. Okay. This is next to like the, the popcorn or something that was $7. And so anyway, that was kind of like a funny experience for me in terms of like, why did you buy that? I literally just, it was just, I bought it because everyone else was really hyped about buying it. And then I went home with like $30 worth of fireworks, which I wasn't planning on. I got home. Yeah. Well, this was, I don't know. Like I said, this was like Thursday, Friday. So the 4th of July um, were around. And to me, the fireworks are, if you're lighting them off yourself and they're not like the big ones that, that go up in the sky and explode, they're just like the, I, I keep trying to think of the word, the ones that just like spray. There's a, there's a word for that. I can't remember what it is. It's like a, a fountain, I think. I think they're called like a fountain firework. So they're just like, that's like the biggest one. There's pops and little tank things and sparklers and stuff. And so for me at like six o'clock, I'm like, let's, let's light these babies up. You know, it's like total daylight, but it's just as fun. And it doesn't get dark here till after 10 o'clock. And I was like, I'm not going to wait till then. My kids are going to be asleep by that time. So we lit some off and there was one particular one that was one of those spinner ones that spins really, really fast. And I thought it was a little firecracker or something, right? It was just like a little tube thing that was like short and I don't know. So I lit it and tossed it and it fired right past my nephew, who's like two years old, just standing there, whizzed right past his head. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, what oh, no. is this? What happened, you know? Oh my gosh. So I, I was just like performing. I was, I was in this moment where I'm like doing this action and continuing lighting off these fireworks, just feeling like this is such a bad idea. Everyone I light off, I'm like, someone's going to get injured. And whew. so anyway, did you put the ones that shoot up into some kind of canister? So that, so they, well, I, they so I didn't have any and... of those big ones that like okay. actually shot in the sky. Mm. Later in the evening, we went to the neighbor's house. Like I said, it was crazy there were so many of those aerial fireworks that that go up and explode in a big ball so at the neighbor's house we're sitting around with a bunch of people and one of their fireworks misfires and a, a piece of it flies and hits this guy who's sitting a few seats next to me in the chest whizzes right <laughs> no. past his white his wife's face and bounces onto the ground and then explodes you know oh right next God. to him <laughs> <laughs> and it was kind of crazy because at that moment they were getting their picture taken. So the picture on the digital camera, like the photographer pulls it up and this guy's like 
got this bewildered face going on and his wife's like has a face of terror and there's this explosion in the background it was crazy wow like captured like right at the perfect second obviously had no idea that was going to happen so that just reinforced my whole opinion about fireworks in the fourth of july so when i when we when it came the, the the time to do the sparklers at our house we had a similar uh experience as far as like a neighborhood party goes we we weren't going to a neighborhood party we didn't even really get invited to go to a neighborhood party, but mm-hmm. um, one sort of sprung up in our, I'll call it a cul-de-sac-ish circle that we have here. Uh-huh. It's not a true cul-de-sac because it has two roads going off of it, but you get this, it's a circle. Yeah. yeah. And we just started hearing noises outside, right? As it started getting dark and they just kept going and we're like, oh, something's happening. And then, so we go outside and there is a group of like 30 of our, of our, our, our neighbor is throwing a party and there's like 30 people there and they're putting the, the guys are setting stuff up in the middle and it's full of kids, a really, you know, good time. <laughs> and in normal world, I'd have been like, that's great, man. We should go out there, see if we can hang out and maybe have a beer with them or whatever. Yeah. And, but I'm like, wait, is coronavirus off? Like, I just want to know because... <laughs> There was absolutely zero social distancing going on. <laughs> Lots of kids going cry. Maybe they're all like, uh, you know, they've checked each other out or whatever to make sure that I got the safe coronavirus practices or something. I don't know. And I'm not going to be one to judge or I'm trying to try not to judge, but it just made me like wonder like what's happening with coronavirus. Is it off? Did I not get the memo? Like, cause I'd really like to start doing that normal stuff. again. <laughs> But the show was, you know, it was it was a fun way to sort of just look at the fireworks. But I'm with you as far as I, I'm not the guy who usually goes out and says, "Yeah, let's light this off and see what happens." Yeah, it's it's so dangerous. Was your party socially distanced, like your neighborhood party? Well, it wasn't really a a party. It was a it was a family gathering that we kind of snuck over to because they were they were doing big fireworks. Okay, was the thing. Yeah, yeah. and. uh you know, it was outside and it was just adults. So socially distanced. I mean, I, I, I guess I was like, I wasn't like giving anybody hugs or anything really. Yeah. But that's it, like part for the course for me, I guess. I mean, I didn't really know him anyway. So. And there was actually, if I was to be honest with you, you know, sometimes you go to fireworks shows and they're so far away and it just feels kind of almost sterile. Like you're just watching TV or something. Mm. It's something about it being there and like these people just shooting them off actually made it a little more exciting. Yeah. <laughs> like I have a whistle by my face. Hitting the guy next to me. It's definitely more exciting. It's, it's like, like anything could happen. <laughs> the coronavirus doesn't kill me. It'll be these fireworks. <laughs> Life is exciting. Like, I feel like with the coronavirus... I think it's hard for people to maintain, you know, strict social distancing mm-hmm. the longer it goes on, mm. you know, oh, yeah, the, the more it's just like, it's socially challenging. People need connection and it's like, well, we haven't heard of anybody in our neighborhood that has it. So maybe it's fine. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think that may be a reason why, why people aren't as, as concerned or getting together in larger groups. Yeah. And something else like is gym memberships have, you know, been or being able to even to go to a gym has not been allowed is currently not Mm -hmm. allowed in some states, I'm assuming. 
how have you been keeping up with your fitness? Did you do gyms before and you're not now, or are you spending money on wellness or? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So before we sold our house or like as part of selling our house, as I mentioned before, we, we sold all of our stuff. And so I had a rack, like a home gym rack with like an Olympic size barbell and, and rubber weights and all the kind of the full thing. And so that was like right at the beginning of coronavirus. And so we were able to sell it without much trouble. I think maybe even got more than half of what I paid for it, which is, which is, you know, it's fine. It's pretty good. Um, but I think if I was selling home equipment now or in the past few months, I, I would have made even more money because I think so many people are having to kind of find a home gym set up. And so with us kind of being moving around a little bit more, we got some bands, you know, uh, rubber, rubber bands, uh, workout bands, I guess, but we've been using those and, and they're okay. It's a little different workout, you know, versus like weights and barbells and things that make you feel really tough. Like, <laughs> are you following a schedule? Like, uh, do you have a, are you using an app or how, how are you following? What's your workout routine? Well, we are definitely fans of mind pump. Uh, they have like the, the biggest, uh, fitness podcast. I think at least they say they do at the beginning of all their episodes. And they have a lot of good information and and they also have a workout programs. So we have their Maps Anywhere uh, workout program. And I, I would say like for me and workout programs, it's helpful to learn some of the correct mechanics and the different workouts. But I'm not big on sticking to like a strict regimen. It's hard for me. Mm -hmm. What about you? So I have two things. One is I subscribe to Men's Health Magazine. And so they mm -hmm. put out workouts every month. So they're different. So I'll pick up one of those magazines and maybe try to do one of their workouts. Mm -hmm. And then um, the New York Times put out this six-minute workout thing, just like called a wellness workout that you can just do mm -hmm. real quick. Because I tend to – I find if I try to do workouts for 30 or 40 minutes or an hour and I'm not playing a game or running to – fetch a ball or doing yeah. something like that. I just get so bored. So yeah, but just something to keep the heart pumping is I follow those. So I have a question. Did you, was mind pump something you did before coronavirus? Yes. Yeah. I mean, we've listened to them for a while, for sure. We haven't ever done like one of their programs before. And that happened since the coronavirus. Yep. But it was also, I guess it was kind of a twofold. I like going to the gym and working out of the gym, but with moving around and stuff, that was like part of our thought about getting the the workout bands and the maps anywhere program yeah so that we could try to maintain some consistency even if we didn't know if we could go to a gym or if we you know if we didn't have our own gym something to keep it going but it it's hard for me like my whole objective is to put on mass and muscle because i'm young enough i just haven't felt many effects of like cardiovascular like a need for cardiovascular training you know like I can still run and play sports without much effort. And so, so that's it for me, but it's, it's hard with just bands and, and like eating out all the time and not making our own food. Yeah. Like, um, basketball is something I used to do on the regular that I haven't played basketball in months now, except just outside the local court. And, you know, I'm starting to look at that YMCA charge that I get every month. <laughs> I mean, I don't yeah. see myself going to the YMCA for another four to six months. So this is something else that's kind of developed is now as the coronavirus is continuing to linger on and the cases are accelerating, everyone's looking into the fall, what's going to happen with schools. 
And some of these charges that I was sort of saying, yeah, just keep it going for the three months the coronavirus is here or the where we don't have it under control. Now looking at this and like, no, this is this might be a nine to twelve month charge. And I'm not, you know, I want to support the YMCA, but at the same time, I'm like, I, I really don't see myself using this for the next nine months. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't see right. myself going to a gym. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you know if they're even open at the time? Yeah, I don't even know. I haven't even yeah. checked. Yeah, that's true. Like, I'm not sure if North Carolina allows them to be open. <laughs> well, we should talk about the uh, what you were going to say about the pool, because it seems like that uh, ties in here. Yeah, so we have uh, a yearly uh, membership fee for our pool. Uh, you know, swimming pool, tennis courts, and other <laughs> things that are involved with the pool. But when you go to the pool with the kids, it's like part of the fun is like you get out there, you sit in the sun. As your machine, the sun is nice. Right. But then there's like a snack bar where you can go get some snacks. And then there's lots of kids playing. And so you, the kids get out there and they find other kids to play with and they share toys and they do all this and they get something mean they bring it back and they play games and it's just kind of all over the place but i haven't even been to the pool this summer and part of the reason is it's just is the description of it like you have to go and you sit in your one area right which is cordoned off Mm -hmm. and then the kids can't play with other kids they can just play with their own toys and you just sort of go in one section of the pool and you got to be six feet distant from anybody else who's in the pool. And then I'm not even sure if there would be eating involved and mm-hmm. like that could not happen. And so it just, it feels like all of the components of going to the pool that made it a lot of fun, it, there's only like one left, like, and that <laughs> is just the actual jumping in the pool <laughs> and getting in the water. Yeah. We haven't been to the, and it's like, and it's just sort of nerve-wracking, like, for... If I was to take the kids there, it would be like, okay, guys, remember, don't yeah. play with any other kids. Like, right, which is such a weird... And it's like, okay, and so it's like monitoring. It's a... You can't let yourself loose. So yep. it's like, why, well, why go? Right. I, just have, I haven't done it yet. Yeah, totally. It's, it's a tough thing with kids, especially, like, it's hard for them to not socialize, but it's even harder to be in a social setting and tell them not to socialize, you know? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, what the heck? <laughs> Are you doing something for camps for your kids? Yeah, so we have been putting our daughter Susie into volleyball camps. She's almost oh. nine, and she's pretty good. She's fun to watch. You know, my wife coaches volleyball, and so she's able to, like, give her a lot of one-on-one training. But we went down to Cedar City a few weeks ago and then this week she's doing a an indoor camp uh monday tuesday wednesday and then actually a beach volleyball camp wednesday thursday friday in the evening so so that's been fun like i'm excited to go watch her tonight i wasn't able to go last night but i'm going tonight and do they keep it socially distant though i'm i'm confused not really uh wow. i mean you're well, actually, the the indoor camp you're inside, but you know you're you're playing against the sa- with the same ball and stuff. So, you know, it's kind of interesting. They've got certain rules, like when you when you come in and you're registering and stuff, like stay six feet apart. So there's like some of that going on for the setup. But once you're in there, then like all the athletes are in there together. And they're getting together, they're high-fiving. and Well, I don't know. Everything. I don't think they're doing like cheer, like anything where as a group, like everyone touches each other or anything like that. But, but they're still def- together as a team yeah, on the court. Definitely together as a team, playing with the same ball, you know, passing okay. it around. Yeah. 
I mean, obviously, you and I have a little different approach with this, but I want to. I... <laughs> but it could also be like where we're like in North Carolina, the cases are going up. I mean, maybe it's a Utah, North Carolina thing. But go ahead. I didn't mean to make you feel guilty or anything. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> so, but I, I, did, I, I was curious. Um, no, no, no. It's it's all good. I just think uh, it's worth pointing out to our listeners. <laughs> it's like what's going on in this conversation. <laughs> but I'm I'm curious for yourself as you like have a more conservative approach do you feel or how how much of that approach is based on concern for yourself and your own family and how much of that is a concern for just humanity as a whole like not spreading or being a carrier for other people you know what i mean it was a mix i mean i i feel like it's it's both like, um, I'm older than you too. So, you know, I'm, I'm right at the cusp of where, you know, there might be a concern. I'm almost 50. So there's that. Right. Yeah. But there's also like not wanting to give it to other people, this mystery of how it truly affects you. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, um, mm -hmm. this story about this 30 year old, healthy Hollywood actor brought Hollywood, I think it was on Broadway to great Apparently, he's a great singer, actor. I didn't really know him, but he got the coronavirus and like just took him down. He had to have a leg amputated. And from the stories that I read, there was no reason to believe or to suspect that he mm -hmm. would be susceptible to this in terms of having anything <laughs> that was right. a pre-existing pre condition, heart disease or obesity, nothing like that. And so this mystery of like some people it gets at even if they are healthy is kind of frightening so it's like i'd rather not i'd rather not test it yeah. i'd rather not yeah. test it for myself and certainly not give it to anybody else and then be laid out for for weeks but then there's also stories of people being completely unaffected right and so it's this uh who have it you mean yeah, who mm -hmm. have it and yeah. are just walk around with it, don't even know, realize they had it. So it seems like a mixed bag. Have you heard of any of these stories of people being like perfectly healthy and then rocked by this virus? Not personally, like nobody I know. Right, right. But in the news, I mean. Um, no. no. I mean, I don't really. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> you know me. I don't really read the news. <laughs> okay. Just living in my own little bubble of, uh, what's the word? Sunshine sunshine my own bubble of sunshine this episode is brought to you by weekly our app that helps you stick to a budget it's in the apple ios app store you can also find us at weeklybudgeting.com we have a completely different take on budgeting the traditional method is to operate on a month to put everything into categories and subtract the money out of categories but this ends in frustration for lots of people because they get halfway through the month, they may have overspent or underspent a category. They're not sure where to grab the money from. Oh, by the way, does this sound familiar? Hey, honey, where's the target receipt? I'm trying to figure out if that is a household expense or a food expense. It's just a disaster. So then you end up at the end of the month, you're not sure what happened and you just give up. So we've come up with a different way, which is to operate on a weekly basis. We take your recurring income, your recurring expenses. We subtract your expenses from your income and then we come up with what you can safely spend for a week. Then we keep you in touch with that number, downloading your transactions from the bank so that you can always know what is safe to spend. This alleviates the guilt of spending and lets you spend with more joy. So we hope you give the app a try. 
Um, you can go to weeklybudgeting.com, click on the icon, go to the app store. You can also search in the app store for weekly budget or weekly budgeting. Right now we're at the top of the organic rankings for that. And give it a try. Let us know what you think. And welcome to the podcast and welcome to the weekly community. Speaking of, mm. you know, ignoring coronavirus and living life in sunshine, we did go to uh, Lagoon, which is a theme park, a few weeks ago, and it was so fun. Like, as a contrast to fireworks, which I think are mildly fun and very dangerous, I just love going on roller coasters now. And as a kid, I was kind of freaked out. But for me, that's part of what makes it so fun as a parent is that I get to help my kids overcome and just take a different perspective on roller coasters and kind of like push them, but also know when to not push and like how much is too much, but they're just so fun. Like uh, lagoon here in Utah has, I haven't been here for like a decade or more, but they have like a bunch of new rides and they are epic. There's this one ride that uh, <laughs> I can see you're dying to ask me some questions, but there's a ride there where it's called the cannibal. You sit down in it and you have like this lap panel. It's kind of like a lap bar, but it's like more like a panel. So it like holds your legs a little bit more, but there's no like harness or anything. It's just your lap. And you go on this cart. It's like a three, four seats by three seats, kind of square shaped cart. And you like go forward in kind of this dark room. And then all of a sudden you're in like this giant elevator shaft type thing. And you look up and it's like 200 feet up. And you just start getting pulled up like you're on an elevator, just going straight up, facing forward, but going vertically. And you get to the top and you look out and you're just looking at the freeway because you're on the edge of the park. You're 200 feet up in the air. You're facing forward. And the roller coaster goes forward and then drops straight down and actually inverts. So you're going back backwards a little bit, right? And you only have the, like your legs strapped in. So you're like, you imagine like you go straight down, but you like keep turning going backwards okay which is just kind of crazy but then later on in the ride you actually twist upside down and not like in a loop where like your your momentum is like keeping you in your seat you just like are going straight and then it just turns and flips you upside down and then turns and flips you upside down the other way and it is so freaky no you know no harness it's just your legs (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it was so fun. It was like, oh my gosh, this is the best roller coaster I have ever been on by far. It was it was a blast. Did you have any concern that you were going to fall out? I mean, oh, you just totally. got a I was mark. freaked out. Yes. But it's now scary. in retrospect, you say, yeah, they had it under control. Yeah. Or you're yeah, like, I mean, hey, it's someone like, needs to redesign this. <laughs> right, right. No, it, it felt like very secure other than just like psychologically thinking like, my shoulders should be strapped in right now. You know, you're just like free up top, but I didn't feel like loose at all. I felt like pretty secure, but you know, that's part of the psychological game. It's like, if this leg strap like is faulty or like opens up, I'm dead. Totally just gone. But you know, it's kind of the same thing. If you had a shoulder strap, if that like popped open, <laughs> like flip out and that would be it. So it was wow. so fun. My mm. older daughter is a real daredevil. She came on that one with us along with every other ride. And my younger daughter is like pretty, uh, she's pretty 
courageous as well. Like she went on this one ride, the Colossus that I was just like freaked out to go on as a kid. And it's fun to take them on the exact same ride, but she was just down with it and got over her fear. And, you know, it's like, it's got a fairly big drop and a couple of big loops. And it's like, do you remember as a kid, like a loop roller coaster? That was like a big deal. Mm -hmm. You know, if I was your son, you would, <laughs> you would be very disappointed in me. <laughs> We, we would have this father son like why is my son like not able to get over his fears of I was like this is just roller coasters dad i can't i can't do them uh, uh, that's how you were as a kid and still yeah. are as an adult yeah i mean i would do some of the ones that just went up and down the hill like yeah, this yeah but yeah and then uh at some point i was willing to do one that would you know do a, be a loop but yeah, no, I'm a complete chicken when it comes to yeah. roller coasters for sure. Well, maybe we'll have to go sometime. No, and you know, we don't see, need to go see what we can do about that. No, we can't. We do not need to do that. <laughs> well, because I was like, that's the thing though. When I was a kid, I was just so terrified. Roller coasters mm -hmm. just freaked me out. Mm -hmm. Well, I also get motion sickness, and that's part of it. So it's like that's bad. Mm. I, I can totally understand that. It just makes it no fun. I we went on a ride and and my wife and brother in law just got really motion sick and then like the rest of the night was just shot. They didn't go on any more rides and it was kind of a tragedy. Mm. So I, I can understand that. So can I ask my coronavirus questions now? Yes, yes. <laughs> let's get back to <laughs> <laughs> You went to a theme park <laughs> in a pandemic? Like what's going on? I feel like the crusty old guys like <laughs> what are you doing like no uh so but were the crowds i mean were you worried about that i mean we've established yeah not, not so worried <laughs> i am not so worried about it but there there are i mean there obviously are a bunch of additional restrictions like you needed to wear a mask to enter the park and you needed to be wearing a mask anytime you were in a line and you also need to be socially distanced while you were in the line. So did that make the lines like insanely long? Like, how well, did that that's work? the thing. Like, I don't know. We went on a Saturday, which I assume would be busier. Yeah. And like the weather was nice. But for the most part, the lines were not long at all. And I think it has to do with just people not going out as much. I think a lot of people just aren't going out. And so the lines are shorter. We did have to register in advance. And I think they may even say that they, they limit their capacity because of coronavirus, even though I've talked to people that have, have gone a lot and have never had a problem registering. So I don't think they've ever hit that limit. But that was like one of the advantages, actually, is that the lines were, they moved pretty quick. Some of the rides we were able to do like twice in a row without much wait time. Did they wipe down the carts before you, before they switched passengers? I don't think so. They had uh, hand sanitizer at all the things, but they weren't they weren't like wiping down every cart every time for the ride, mm. which is interesting, right? It's kind of like if you don't take all the precautions, then what good does it do, right? Like it's kind of like the logical thought, right? Like if you're not wiping down the things and people are get somebody gets in it, then you get in it. It's kind of the same as not socially distancing, right? Mm. That's kind of some of like the logical holes that seem a little weird to me i mean obviously i'm like not so concerned about it so that doesn't bother me from a like a user perspective but it just feels weird that there's certain things that are like you have to stay six feet away from each other but you can sit in the same seat right after each other <laughs> it's like uh yeah you're defeating the purpose so let me ask you a question and i mean this like uh with an open heart <laughs> what, 
I want to understand. Maybe I need to be more like you. Why are you not concerned about catching the coronavirus? Or are you? I am not concerned about it. Tell me about why. I feel like I probably don't have an answer that's very satiating. Is it because you're not worried about the effects if you get it? Or you just don't, or you think it's overblown? Or you don't think... Well, it's, it's definitely overblown in my perspective. I think so tell, like, tell me more. Yeah. just, just in terms of like the media, I think it's just a huge, I, well, you know, that's a whole other thing on the media. I think it's hard to get good information from the media. That's not just like loud and slanted, but I'm also not like really that driven by, okay, let me, let me back up. I'll, I'll share my real thoughts with you here. Sure. We live in this crazy world where we are getting fed information every day. And a lot of it may be true about stuff that we have no idea about, no context, and we'll, we'll never like interact with it directly. So for example, like, and it's kind of hard to say this without sounding like I don't care, but just to illustrate a point, you know, like, let's say there's like some tower gets bombed in Europe or something. And like, we get all this news about it and like this terrible thing happened. And it's just such a weird world to be living in a space where you're like consuming that information about people that you've never met, never heard of, never going to go to that country, never going to experience an effect of the result of this terrible tragedy. And it's just weird to me. It's it's hard to feel like there's any type of connection there. Like I feel like I could be living in the Truman Show some days where it's like everything you like are told, it's kind of like, yeah, I don't know. That could have not, that whole thing could have not happened. And my life would be exactly the same as it is now. And so for that kind of perspective, I don't have, I like, I have some pulse on the world, the larger world, but I also just try to live as effectively as I can in the world that's before me. And I've never met anyone who has coronavirus except for one extended family member who was tested positive, but had no symptoms, only tested because she knew that she was in contact with someone who had it. And so for me, it's like, how long has the coronavirus been around now? Like three months or something, maybe longer. I mean, since Since February, March, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we've traveled across the country. We've gone to theme parks. We've gone to family gatherings, you know, had a funeral and obviously kind of social, socially distance in a lot of cases and, and are definitely washing our hands more, wearing masks frequently when we feel like there's a need or, you know, obviously if it's required, but I don't know. I just like, I guess a few things. One is I feel like if I was going to get it, I would have gotten it by now for sure. (laughs) You know, like how could I have not, if it's as bad as people say, and, and I've been traveling so much and, and just out in life, how, how could I have not gotten that, that everyone has, you know, that's such a big thing. And, and also how can I not know anyone who has it except for this one person who had no effects, you know? So I I think there's a balance. I guess what I'm saying is that there's a balance between the statistics that we hear and the broader scale of what's happening in the world and what is actually happening in our own microcosm of experience, right? The people we know, the people we interact with. And I also, I do feel like isolation is really tough, you know, taking the precautions to avoid getting the coronavirus has a definite cost. Not taking those precautions has a possible cost. (laughs) So obviously if you get coronavirus, that could be super serious. And I, I think it's, I mean, obviously it's real. I don't think it's made up. I'm not saying that at all, but I can also see how real the effects are of, of not engaging on society mentally, socially, we're social creatures. And so those are some of my, some of my thoughts. 
what's your thoughts? <laughs> no, thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, so I feel like it's, you know, when I see the 120 something thousand people who've died from coronavirus and how that's more than the Vietnam War, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's a big number. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. And yeah. you think about all the history books that have been written about the Vietnam War and the cost of life there. It's like, I'm like, okay, that's, that's, just, this is a significant thing that's happening. And I guess I, I do have, I know a friend of mine had a friend who got the coronavirus and died. So let's just say my friend of mine's husband had a friend who got coronavirus mm-hmm. and died. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a couple removed. My the person I did some business with, his, his son was staying over at someone's house and that house had the coronavirus. So I, I see some, start to see some connections yeah. very loosely a couple of people away. And then it's just, um, I guess it's the older, older generation that if I get it and happen to pass it to a few people and they pass it to a few people, you know, maybe someone gets in connected with someone that really affects and I, I don't want to be part of that chain. Mm-hmm. So those are, the, those are the reasons I stay careful, but I also know that what you're saying about the cost of like being of having it dominate everything that you think about or do or are there. Right. And so you can go too far and being too careful and cost yourself too much. So, but that's my perspective is I, I sort of, I shade towards being more, more careful than mm-hmm. being more open. And it's just a, it's a perspective thing. The other thing is I look, I look at Europe and I'm like, you know, France and Spain, it's all going away. Like it's all, going away now and they're able to sort of reopen their travel and they've gotten through mm-hmm. it and they've created a social contract that made the curve go down. And so I'm like, we should be able to do that as a Western democracy. <laughs> like we yeah. should be able to, to have that same thing happen, but we sort of flubbed our first shot at it. And now that we're asking people to maybe do it again, like after five or six months, it's going to be even harder yeah. So, you know, I feel like that was a, a failure of executive leadership in our government to not get control of it when we when we had the opportunity. But I did see this meme that kind of encapsulated the way I sort of feel about it, which is it was the uh, the big bad wolf was like had this little red riding hood sort of there. And, the you know, the big bad wolf was coronavirus and little red riding hood was a defiant. And it was like, I'm not scared of you. You can't hurt me. I'm young. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, the wolf, and the wolf says, I'm just looking for you to lead me to your grandma. Mm-hmm. Right. This is like, it ain't, you right. know, so all the young yeah. people are just like, whatever, yeah. man, bring it on. Or, you know, yeah. I'm not, yeah. it's not going to happen to me. Not all young people yeah. are like that, but yeah. some maybe, I don't know, you know, this, and, but this like, nah, the current advice is not looking for you. They're looking for the person who you're connected to. Yep. But um, yeah. I totally see your point of view. I mean, I do. I really do. Yeah, likewise, I, f- I feel the same way. And, you know, it's hard, <clears throat> hard to decide which side to fall on. And, and, you know, passing on the coronavirus is obviously something that nobody would want to do. And it's a challenging thing, right? Like, it's, it's so integrated with our lives. Like, let's talk about unemployment, you know, and just like, mm-hmm. people, the whole industry is shutting down. And yeah, is it due to f- yeah facts or fear? Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough thing. So but I'm glad to be an American. <laughs> <laughs> How did that get? <laughs> <laughs> ugh, ugh. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Inside joke.
So lighter topic, man. Let's go on to let's do a round of why'd you buy that? Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, so I subscribe to Noom, which is this it's a weight loss app. Uh, it's supposed to help you with your diet or achieve whatever sort of health goals that you have. And it doesn't really focus on exercise. It's more about weight loss and watching what you eat. Mm. But um, it has a lot of um, similarities in, with Weekly where we try to infuse financial decisions with a psychological perspective. We take a new take to, new take on budgeting that is focuses less on categorization and more on, um, you know, why'd you buy what you buy and is it bringing you joy? And if and if you can sort of hone in on the things that bring you joy and not on the things you're spending on that don't, hopefully you can sort of naturally fit into your budget, right? So Noom does a similar thing where it tries to help you with what you're eating by focusing on why you want to lose weight or why you want to be a certain weight or you could want to gain weight, but just gain muscle or what have you. So I actually uh, subscribed to Noom because I was thinking about like, well, Weekly is a lot like Noom. I'd like to sort of see their processes of onboarding customers. Mm -hmm. And uh, but then I got into Noom and I kind of didn't cancel it. Right. (laughs) I discovered I appreciate their onboarding process and their questions. Losing weight is not like a central goal of mine right now. Like, (laughs) although I could stand to lose five, maybe 10 pounds. That's not a central goal. Like I'm motivated for this, but once I got into it, I forgot to cancel it. So now I have this Noom charge, which is quite, this is quite high. What do you think it is? What do you think Noom costs? I feel like we may have talked about this before, but so are you on a monthly? Uh, It's two months. It's like a, maybe it's three months. I'm not sure. Mm, Maybe like $18. No. Nope, 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 nope. Uh, 39. Nope. Keep going up, man. For three, two or three months? Yeah. Whoa. Is it over $100? $99. Oh my gosh. And we got up our prices, Drew. It might be like three, yeah. <laughs> it might be like three months come to think of it, but because the way they pitch it is like, hey, for the price of a new shoes, you could change your, you know, you could hit your weight loss goals. And so yeah. they compare it against yeah. something like that. So now I'm in it and it's uh it's an app, but they also have like a counselor. So who's someone who's texting you and like, hey, no, you haven't checked in today. So there's a human mm-hmm. element to it. I'm sure that mm-hmm. increases the cost of it. And I guess they've done the studies to to set that say that show that it also probably increases the success of people sticking with it. And then they have these questionnaires that talk about what motivates you. So I'm sure that that their meal plans or whatever they say, their notifications are also tailored to what you tell them about what made what motivates you. Mm-hmm. But I say meal plans, but this is an interesting thing is that they don't actually give you meal plans. Meal plans is an add on that you also buy for like $49. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you pay 99 and you don't get a meal plan. You get the software that helps you track what you eat. Uh huh. And then you got to pay forty nine dollars for like, oh, and here's here's maybe some meals that you could that match like what's good for you given who, uh-huh. who you are, what your weight is, what you like to do, you know, and all that. Yeah. So they are, um, you know, they know how to make the money over there at Noom. Yeah, I kind of like the idea of. I mean, people would spend that much money easy on weight loss programs, right? And just outside of an app, just in the world, and so I, I like. I like the idea of having consumers being willing to pay more for software, not only because 
we write software ourselves, but I think there's a lot of value you can get out of good software. And if people pay for it, then that builds the companies that build it. And it's a good setup. And it's for them as software and a little in some services, which is they have mm-hmm. a person right. on the other end ready to answer questions. Yeah. So it'd be interesting for our weekly users if they if we ask them the question, in addition to the software that helps you manage your spending, would you like to have a financial counselor that, that would chat mm-hmm. with you about this? Or would you like to receive recommendations from an automated assistant based off of your purchase behaviors mm-hmm. about things you might could change or deals that you might could have? Or if you are spending more than for the same services that other people are in your same area, alerting you to that, maybe even suggesting a different vendor for whatever you're purchasing, a different store or what have you. Or would people find that annoying? I'd be really interested to know. So if we have any listeners right now or listen to this pod, send send in your thoughts. Uh, Would you like an automated assistant? Would you like a actual person who was someone you could talk to every day um, as part of a weekly? And would you be willing to pay extra to have that person available to you? Totally. Support at weeklybudgeting.com. Hey, hey, that's how you reach us. (laughs) Cool. So... If you're just listening to this pod and you don't know who we are, but you just picked it out of, you know, Apple Podcasts or something, we are the co-founders of Weekly, which is a budgeting app, and uh, it's on iOS right now. You can download it by going to the iOS app store and search for Weekly Budgeting or go to weeklybudgeting.com and click on the Apple icon. We're the icon that looks like a big W. It's a completely different take on budgeting. Dan, why don't you describe how it's different? Yeah, so our approach is to simply take your recurring income and your recurring expenses and then calculate a weekly spending amount. And that's a number that gets added to your safe to spend every week. And then you just spend from that one single bucket. So it takes out a lot of the headache of managing a budget and makes it really clear what you can spend. And then kind of like we talked about earlier, it kind of leverages the psychology of focusing on what you care about most since you just have one bucket to spend from. So buy the things that you care about and, and don't buy the things that you don't. And it, I don't, did you mention it connects automatically to the bank and credit card? I didn't mention that, but yep, it connects to your bank and pulls in your transactions. Right. So like you're walking around during the day or what have you, and it's like, Hey, you've got three new transactions at your bank. You pull them in and that way you can always make sure your safe to spend number is ac- you know, accurate. And because we've smoothed out the hills and valleys of your recurring bills and whether that's coming through, like all of that is calculated. All that is in your safe to spend number. So if you spend less than your weekly safe to spend, then you're going to hit your goals. So it can keeps the noise out, keeps you focused on one thing with everything already been factored in. Bam. I like that explanation. Yeah. And if you want to reach us, uh, have any comments on the app or the pod support at weeklybudgeting.com. Please uh, review the pod. If you like it <laughs> on, you know, wherever you listen to your podcasts, that'll help uh, new listeners find us. And we, you know, we thank you for listening. Since I've had that, she's my type of girl, and everybody.